Well, welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNLV on KUNV. You with co-host Keith and Renee. And sorry, audience, you're stuck with me only today. Renee is still doing we don't we don't know what. She may be recovering from a long vacation or, you know, just doing her thing. So but we're going to we're going to press forward. We're lucky today to have our guest. We have Chris Vuitton, who's our controller for the university. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So we're looking forward to learning more about, you know, that's one of those titles and office that people don't quite know what the controller's office does. So one of the things I would like to know is, could you just maybe share just how you sort of came to UNLV and then we can maybe ask a couple of questions just about the controller's office in general? Sure, sure. Uh, so I came to UNLV in 2006, um, uh, fortunate enough to be hired by the controller at that time uh, based on my experience in similar jobs, but at, with uh, hospitals. Um, and and uh, so it was an opportunity to transition from healthcare to higher ed. Um, really grateful for that opportunity. But uh, then when he left, I uh, competed for that position and, and uh, now I'm here. Could you just give us sort of the elevator speech for sort of what, what is the controller's office? Sure, sure. Uh, so a lot of departments that you probably, that folks would probably be familiar with in terms of uh, business transactions. So uh, cashiering and student accounts, payroll, accounts payable, travel reimbursements, purchasing, um, and, then, and then some uh, things that are less visible, financial reporting, analysis, some financial system support. Now, I know two things that were in your portfolio that were <clears throat> of interest to me that I had not realized. I know, and you can maybe give us some insights on those, like the non-resident alien tax service mm -hmm. as one. And then there was another one, like the loan administration. Like I never sort of connected that to the controller's office. Could you talk a little bit about what those two areas do within the controller's office? Sure. Non-resident alien tax compliance is something that uh, all higher ed institutions are, are have a have uh, have to work with um, has to do with uh, US tax requirements for non-citizens who uh, are here perhaps on visa status for for education or for work um, and so depending on depending and, and, it, and it also has to do with uh, foreign suppliers when we're acquiring uh, things like software or other intellectual property, uh, or having services provided within the United States by foreign organizations or foreign entities. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's a pretty highly specialized area. Uh, folks that may uh, have interacted with us might be students or uh, scholars, faculty. Um, uh, that's probably the main population of folks. But it's also a vendor. It's also a vendor uh, related item, supplier related item. So. Uh, my office does handle tax compliance of all kinds on campus, so W two reporting, ten ninety nine reporting, all that, all that interesting stuff. The stuff I can never <laughs> find when it comes time to do taxes. I'm like, where, where are these documents? Where are these documents? Yeah, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about the the loan administration? Loan administration is uh, is is also involved in compliance with uh, federal programs, federal loan programs. So the Perkin loans program. Um, uh, some we have some health professional loan programs, uh, not not uh, direct lending, not the not the uh, uh, third party student loans or or direct lending. Some of the some of the direct financial aid 
managed programs, but loan loan programs where the university remains responsible for uh, collection and and ongoing uh, compliance. We we do engage a third party service provider for most of that work. So we have a staff. We have a couple staff that are. Uh, focused on that from a responsibility standpoint, but we have the services of a third-party service provider that that actually handles more of the the nuts and bolts of the of the collection and and accounting on the loan programs. Now, in your office, like that's a huge amount of responsibility across that portfolio. Like, how big is your staff? Yeah, in in total across all those areas, it's uh, about eighty positions. Um, you know, with that, at any point in time, you've got some turnover, so we're probably usually staffed. Uh, somewhere in the 70 to 80 range uh, during during the uh, you know during the past year when when uh, um, we had you know the budget constraints and the hiring freeze we'd gotten down yeah. about as low in the lower 60s uh, we're staffing back up now with some recruitments yeah. but uh, but about 80 people in total spread across all those areas now I know I asked this of all the guests who are sort of first timers you know, with the pandemic, it, you know, we sort of had to transition abruptly to working remotely. And then now we're sort of transitioning back to in-person and hybrid. So how has the pandemic forced you or given you the opportunity to reimagine how the career, how the controller's office operates and how you've adjusted some of your practices? Uh, so I think like pretty much everybody that that transition happened overnight out of necessity and and uh you know having having had conversations with folks prior to that uh around level of interest level of uh interest in 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 dabbling in remote work or or uh hybrid work uh i think it was one of those things that folks always thought possible but 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 had reservations about at the same time not really having a haven't had a blueprint of how it works, you know. Um, I think the transition went remarkably well for us. I think folks really stepped up there, and 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 uh, I think the tools that we had as both as a, as a campus and as as a system really are what made that happen. You know, having uh, lived through the transition to workday and as as challenging as that was back in 2017. Uh, it was, you know, right away a blessing for us uh, because it really enables that that electronic transaction processing that we didn't really have in our legacy, in our former systems. Um, in terms of reimagining, I think what what uh, the one of the one of the stories I share for folks is, uh, you know, when, when there was o- there was always a lot of interest in in the pandemic ending quickly and folks, things <laughs> getting back to normal, right? We were only taking a short break and we were gonna be right back. Um, when when we first uh, came, we, you know, when, when we were first trying to bring folks back to campus, it was actually January of 21. Um, and so we we worked with the cashier's office to, 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 to have that office staffed in person and be prepared to open. And in the course of it, we, we, uh, you know, we, we encountered a situation where we had to rethink that and, and it, it, it actually had us take a step back and think a little bit more about, you know, what does service really mean for most of our units? You know, we think of that, you know, wanting that personal connection and, and being able to make that connection as, as our service. But it was also, you know, the rethinking was, you know, here we are in an environment where, you know, it, 
we, we think we're providing service by getting people in the office, but in fact, having people come to the office may not be what those folks want. So it was, it was walking through the things that over the course of the 12 months or nine months prior, what, what had we not been able to transition to an electronic environment? What are we still actually needing people to come to the office for? Mm -hmm. And, and then how can we convert those things to electronic also? Because we're recognizing that, you know, the real best service we can provide is giving people a way to complete their work without having to come to the office at all. Um, so it's kind of asking the question in, in these units that we serve, that we're, that we're, that we're working in, you know, account, student, that was student accounts and cashiering, but accounts payable, payroll, purchasing. It's like, do people really want to come to our office to do their work? Do they, if it's a necessity to come to our office, is that actually providing service? Or, or is it really the case that folks want a way to, to do that work without ever having to come to our office? Do they want it online? Do they want it another way? Um, so trying to go through and identify what do we have left that we can accomplish electronically and how and then I'm And then I'm imagining that a lot of these departments on campus who rely on your office for the processing and support are looking to say, okay, well, hey, if, you know, if the controller's office is able to work remotely, you know, we want to follow, follow that lead. So it's, so it's certainly, I think, great to hear you talk about, you know, reimagining you know, what things can we continue to do remotely and, you know, what things do we probably necessarily need to come into the office to do? So how how has your office of sort of struck that balance in terms of, you know, for things that can be done remotely, still having staff sort of still be present on campus versus working remotely or working maybe in a maybe a hybrid status a couple of days in, a couple of days off or how, how do you approach that? So in the, in the student services area, in the cashiering student accounts area, we do have that office open. We have all the offices open, but that office is pretty, pretty fully staffed on a regular basis. And so we are there uh, so that we're present. Um, you know, the, it is the case that we still have most of the work being done electronically around the, around the peak of, you know, semester startup, final payment deadline, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It, it, was, uh, it was a little bit busy as usual, but not even, even there, uh, still not quite as much. In, in the other areas, we, we have all the offices are open. There's staff on campus every day. Uh, we do have a much, a much more of a mix of hybrid schedules there where most folks are, most folks are uh, in the office fewer days than they're remote. Uh, but in all cases, the offices are open so that if somebody does come in, you know, we can, we can work with them. Uh, and, and folks, whether they're in the office or not, are accessible. So everybody, um, you know, we, 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 all of our staff, whether they're in the office or not, have uh, the ability to connect with folks online, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, interactions. Uh, so I think that was one of the, for me, that was one of the, one of the significant changes that happened uh, during during the initial transition to remote work, was folks getting over the the historical uh, reluctance to use the online conferencing tools that that put you in a face to face mm -hmm. kind of environment uh, over our over our screens. And I think one of the things we've heard from a lot of folks doing that is that they've actually connected with folks that way 
more um, and seeing folks that they've historically <laughs> only ever talked on the phone with um, and that sort of thing because it's so much easier. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, things are not, uh, th- things are still, you know, transitioning and, and uh, so we're, so we're, you know, back to a little bit of both. Um, but, but I think because our offices are, uh, there's a lot, you know, our offices are off in the campus services building. It's, it's, uh, it's not the most convenient for folks to come visit. It's convenient because uh, there's always plenty of parking available, but if you're walking over, it's not necessarily the most convenient uh, to come visit us. So, so being able to connect with people over uh, our, our, our web communications, our web conferencing and, and, uh, and being able to, 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 find ways to complete transactions without paper and without, without, uh, without folks having to come in is, is still a top priority for us, you know. And have you seen an increase in productivity since we've sort of gone to this more hybrid approach for how we conduct business and really leveraging technology more, in particular in, within Workday? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that we'd, we'd achieved, we'd, we'd seen a lot of that already with the workday business processes. I think, I, you know, there's always, there's always, uh, there's still room for improvement on some business processes. I know we're still looking for, for, uh, there's still in a few areas, some forms that we haven't found a way away from yet. Um, so we're looking at, uh, how we might convert those at least to electronic forms. You know, we're in the process of rolling out a ticketing system, um, you know, work order type system uh, for uh, financial services that all that that has the ability to uh, to take in, you know, requests through through online uh, form uh, approaches. So we, we do have some things coming down the way that'll that'll help in that regard too. Uh, definitely some increase in productivity with the hybrid work and the remote work just from folks being able to more easily schedule back-to-back meetings, back-to-back, uh, you know, when you, when you don't, when, when, when your connection's online, it's a little easier to get from A to B, um, in that way. Uh, so folks, I think took a, took the opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to use some of what otherwise was, you know, time they just spent getting from point A to point B, um, and, and, and use that time to increase productivity. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's been effective. Um, you know, again, I think we, we worked through, you know, we had, because, uh, there were some tightening of the belt expense wise, you know, there were some reductions in the volume of activity, um, that, that aligned itself. It was coincidental, but it lined itself almost, almost precisely with the reduction that we had in staffing levels over that period as a result of the hiring freeze and, and folks just transitioning in ordinary turnover. So, um, so, you know, without that efficiency, I think it would have been a little more challenging. And I know you mentioned some new things on the horizon, like this ticketing system. Could you talk a little bit about some of the new things underway through the controller's office to further improve efficiency or to better support how we do business on campus. Uh, well, I think one of the things we hear and we know we've we've uh, we're working on you know updating our website. Uh, it's been it's been that was due for an update before the workday transition. With the workday transition, uh, we knew there were things that needed to happen. I think we tried to address the most the most significant uh, you know top of mind items, but there's a lot that still needs to be updated there. So we're we're um, 
you know, that's, that's a top priority for us at this point. The ticketing application is one. I think we're looking at some, uh, some additional invoice automation. You know, we still, we still with, with Workday, we can, we can work with an electronic invoice once it's in the system, but we, but we don't receive most of our invoices electronically. Um, so someone is still having to scan that document. Um, when they scan it, you know, it, it doesn't, we don't have automation around that scanning. So the document gets scanned, but someone still has to manually initiate that transaction in the system. So, so we're looking at tools that, uh, that, that, that would, uh, help, you know, with, with that scanning and, 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 uh, and capturing some of the data there. Um, not, not visible, but certainly important in our, in our folks, uh, areas in terms of, you know, time can, time that they have to invest uh, that that you wouldn't see, but uh, record management. So looking at looking at uh, at uh, electronic record management right now, we still have uh, heavy reliance on paper. I think we've with Workday that there are certain things that will work their way through to a to a retention point where it's all in the system. But there are other documents still that we are responsible for that'll never be that aren't in Workday and. So having having those resolved, um, I think those are some of the key ones. So there's there's just always ongoing with Workday. Workday, as you know, uh, twice a year new releases. Uh, with that, some new functionality, and uh, you know, always working on reporting enhancements and things of that nature. So yeah, and I know you know going back to 2017 when you know the announcement came out, we were switching <clears throat> to Workday. There was a lot of anxiety. There was high expectations for you know, the efficiencies in Workday and the tracking. And so from your perspective, um, how has Workday lived up to the hype or the expectations? Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with how Workday uh, worked out at the end of the day. It, it was, uh, you know, like any system transition, it's not easy. And I think, you know, there's probably always... Uh, more on the wish list than, than you might immediately get. I think the good thing there, you know, we have, we have the, um, you know, we work as one of eight campuses in, in, in that, that live in the single instance of workday. So we have, we have a large group of people all over the state that, uh, that, that the system has to work for, but it, it gives us the opportunity to learn from each other at the same time. And so it's, you know, the, the, the benefit there is that it only takes one person to come up with the idea and then everyone else can benefit from it in terms of enhancements we might implement. Um, but Workday delivering, uh, delivering new functionality every six months is, is always, is, is helpful. You know, it's the systems, the systems, uh, you know, any, every system implementation has a transition period. It's, it, it, uh, um, it's good to get through that. And, and start to start to benefit from you know what you have in there. So uh, there's still we still have a long way to go. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of data in the system. I think the reporting side, the the um, you know developing developing uh, tools that'll let us benefit from the volume of data that it's collecting. I think is where we're where we need to go next. And then I guess another question is how did your office keep its sanity, <laughs> you know, during the pandemic as we were transitioning backwards to all the fluctuation in budget forecasts and projections and redoing the financials. So, you know, how did you, how did you all sort of stay level-headed 
through all that process and as we still undergo all these different uh, scenarios that we're planning for? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, in our mo most of the areas that report to me are more involved in completing transactions, the actual business transactions. So probably, uh, while while that affects me like it does other departments on campus, other units on campus, I think the unit that was probably more directly uh, affected by that that continually swinging uh, planning exercise around around forecasting and budgeting would would be the financial planning and analysis mm -hmm. unit, financial planning budget and analysis unit under Rebecca, uh, Dr. Barber. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so at, like other, like other units and certainly part of, part of the business affairs unit, you know, we worked through that like, like everyone did. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, it was encouraging to get back to campus and have, have, uh, the activity, uh, that we have on campus in the fall here and see folks, uh, walking around and 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 uh, encouraging, you know that that uh, um, you know just to, just to see the 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 recovery there. So. And you know, just like I just made sort of a common error, thinking that this is within the controller's function. What are some other sort of misconceptions about sort of what's in the controller's portfolio versus maybe financial analysis and planning or other areas on campus? I think there's there tends to be uh, you know that two two areas that that get melded together very closely uh, human resources and payroll um, and and so for, I, I would say I I don't usually try to I, I my my goal is not normally to make sure folks know the difference it's to understand what they're trying to do and help them get it done regardless of whether that's you know, in my area or not. So I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I usually, my, my encouragement is to have folks just address the problem. And, and uh, if it's, if it means collaborating with another mm -hmm. unit, we do that uh, and, and try not to, uh, try not to make that the focus of the issue. But HR and payroll uh, are two areas that get blended together very frequently. Um, accounts payable and purchasing do also, fortunately those both report to me. So um, that, that's, that doesn't, doesn't, uh, come up that way the same, but, uh, financial aid and student accounts and cashiering is another. So student accounts and cashiering is handling more the billing and collection of the student account, uh, third party payments on accounts. We handle the student brief, the disbursement of the student refund. Um, once that's complete financial aid though, handling the eligibility and, and awarding, um, and the disbursement to the student account, so the application of the aid to the student account, um, but then things kind of get handed off to student accounts for for further processing. So, and could you talk a little bit about the comp the the importance of compliance across all of this, all the business that the university engages in, <clears throat> and how your office keeps us in the right place in terms of when we're audited and things of that nature. Yeah, hopefully in the right place. That's, that's, uh, that is the goal. I think that's kind of the origin of the controller uh, title is the compliance element, you know, the financial, the, the internal control. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine with uh, federal regulations, state regulations, board of regents, campus, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of layers to compliance here. 
Um, compliance in and of itself is something that's more than just financial. And so I'm, my, my focus tends to be on financial transaction processing and, and compliance as it relates to that. So, um, you know, when, when as, as a uh, organization that receives federal funds, I think there's a heightened uh, level of expect, uh, heightened level of, of, of uh, um, attention that we get as a result. There's, there's specific audits that, that are completed, and each each federal awarding agency has the uh, has has the uh, opportunity to to dig into that report when it gets issued and ask for additional information. And and so it's it's uh, um, you know as we as we uh, participate in those programs, you know the compliance element. Uh, is is critical to being able to maintain our participation in those programs. Well, I know personally, I appreciate when you when you describe sort of your approach as, hey, what's what's the need or the problem to address, rather than trying to figure out should I ask this officer, that officer. I know I've been my office has been the beneficiary of that approach from you, and I know my whole default when I talk to my team is, well, let's just email Chris and ask Chris for, and then Chris will make sure we get to the right place and bring the right mix of people to the conversation to resolve it. So I know I greatly appreciate <clears throat> that approach and, and I know it works. It has worked for us and, and I, and I appreciate that. I, I'm always happy to help. Always enjoy getting involved. Now I want to get you out of here on this last question. So if you had sort of a crystal ball and you could make any wish come true sort of from your lens, what, what would you do to improve how we operate at the university or how your office interfaces with various offices or support various offices of the campus? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, the opportunity for folks to, to, uh, to work with each other, collaborate, you know, looking, looking for opportunities, folks looking for opportunities to get, uh, involved with, uh, with something on campus and other units solving a problem or just, <clears throat> You know things like uh, faculty senate, faculty senate committees. Um, you know, work, working with others on campus to better understand what's outside their own uh, their their own area in particular, and 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 find out how kind of just make sure that we're meeting the needs of the campus. You know, I mean that's that's what we're here for. Um, folks don't come to UNLV because they think we have a great controller's office. You know, students come to UNLV for our Academic programs and and uh, organizations engage with us for research and 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 those those uh, core programs. So so just making sure that we're that we're meeting those needs and and uh, and and looking for ways to support the organization uh, in its mission. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's uh, that's ideal to me. And and having our folks being able to get out and interact with others and 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 be visible and, and available. I think that's that's kind of thing I'd hope for. Well, thank you for joining us. And I know that our listeners are going to benefit greatly from this session. And thank you for demystifying sort of some of the misconceptions about what's in the controller's office, what the controller's office does. And in particular, thank you on behalf of all the university stakeholders for keeping us in compliance and out of trouble and keeping having the infrastructure to continue to bring in all these different funding and to be able to better support students. So through our business processes. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of KUNV Let's Talk UNLV. For my co-host, Keith, I'm Renee. Tune in next week, Wednesday at 12, on KUNV 91.5 Jazz and More. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.